as George mentioned, and as is already on the screen, we have a new theme this year. And with that new theme comes a lot of excitement. Excitement for me. Excitement for being able to bring to you lessons that will revolve around that theme. Our theme this year is Behold Our God. The reason that theme was chosen is based on what Jace read to us in Jeremiah 32:17 that we'll talk about again in a moment. But as we think about seeing God and we think about how great God is, there are a couple ways that we can see God through children, through acts of obedience, and both of those have happened here recently. A few weeks ago, I came up here and we held up several babies. Well, we have another baby. Another act of God, right? A child that's been born to a family who is here for the very first time. And I'm very excited to have Brad bring up his sweet daughter, Courtney. And I'm very excited for Mama Amy and sweet Caroline, the big sister. So Brad's going to bring her up. And we're going to see God through this beautiful baby. Big sister decided she wanted to come too. And this is the first time I get to hold this little angel. Look, she is just like y'all, asleep. (laughs) Such a little angel. Congratulations to Brad, to Amy and to sweet Caroline, and to the grandparents as well. She's beautiful, bud. That's what always makes me a little nervous. You got her? Okay. Gotcha. Good job, Caroline. One way we can behold our God is through that. Another way we can behold our God is what happened Wednesday night that Taylor prayed about just a moment ago. I wasn't here, but I have seen the sweet videos. I am so thankful that Taylor Grace, your bedra, decided to obey the gospel of Jesus Christ. But Taylor Grace, not everybody was here Wednesday, so you got to stand up. Stand up and see our new sister. God is all around us. I know there's a lot of evil. I know there's a lot of scary. I know there's a lot of things that just turn our stomach. But if we truly seek Him, He's all around us. Whether it's the looking at a baby, whether it's watching a child obey the gospel or an adult obey the gospel of Jesus Christ, whether it's in a song, whether it's in communion, whether it's in whatever worship we do to Him on a daily basis, but especially here on His day. God is all around us. When I read the Bible, especially through the Old Testament, there are so many times that you can just see 
that these men are in awe. They're in awe of who God is. George read to us from Isaiah. Isaiah was in awe. He was in awe throughout his writings and prophecy life, but especially in chapter 6 when he goes up and he's in the presence of God and and there he thinks maybe, I'm assuming he may think he feels pretty good about himself spiritually, maybe like we do, we feel pretty good about ourselves spiritually, but when he's in the presence of God and he's hearing these cherubim chanting, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord God Almighty, he says, Woe is me, I am unclean, I am undone. Purge my lips. You know what he was saying? Behold our God. It's the life of Moses as he is parting that Red Sea and they get across. And, you know, it's almost like in that song that he sings in celebration, he's saying, Behold our God. There's so many times through Scripture that we see men after great things seeing God, but it is my prayer, it is my hope that we will see God through the good times and through the bad. It is my hope and my prayer that throughout the course of this year, just like it was through last year, that we will read our text more, we will get in the Word more and truly see God through His special revelation, His divine revelation that was given to us. We will see Him on every single page. So we will see Him so much that it will impact our lives. It will make me a better man. It will make you a better woman. It will make us better husbands and wives, better children, better neighbors, better co-workers. It will make us not want to miss worshiping Him, not want to miss having Bible class and studying Him. You see, I don't have to preach sermons on attendance or things like that if I truly understand and appreciate who our God is. Behold our God. In Genesis 18... Verse 14, it says, Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time I will return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Now he's talking to Abraham. Abraham saying, I'm an old man, Sarah's an old lady. How are we going to have a child? He said, Is anything too hard for me? Behold our God. In Job 42, verse 2, Job writes there, after everything that he's gone through, I know that you can do everything and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. Do we truly believe that God can do everything? It's easy to say. But do we truly believe it? Do you know what Job had gone through? Do you know the questions he had? Do you know the depression that he was going through? The struggles he was going through? But at the end, he said, I know that you can do everything. Behold our God. In Luke 1, verse 37, Luke writes there, For with God nothing will be impossible. Nothing. That is no thing, right? Nothing will be impossible with God. Behold our God. 
In Matthew 19, verse 26, Jesus looked at them and said to them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. In Ephesians 3, 20 and 21, the Apostle Paul writes, Now to Him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to Him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Do I truly know God? Do I truly believe God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think? In Psalm 115.3, the psalmist writes, But our God is in heaven. He does whatever He pleases. And to get to our theme verse, Jeremiah 32.17, Ah, Lord God, behold, You have made the heavens and the earth by Your great power and outstretched arm. There is nothing too hard for You. You know how I pitched the idea of this verse, of this theme? Because our theme last year was to be in the Word to let it be the lamp and light of our path. And in my daily Bible reading, I was reading Jeremiah 32. Just truthfully, I've read Jeremiah 32 a lot of times. I try, I read through the Bible a few times every year. And I've read Jeremiah 32 a lot. And I've probably had this verse impact me. But where I was, I remember just going back and just rethinking and meditating on this verse. As he said, the heaven, behold, you made the heavens, the earth, by your great power outstretched arm. There's nothing too hard for you. And I remember getting my phone out and putting in there potential theme for next year. This was like in August or sometime, maybe September. And I didn't know what to write. I didn't know what to put. Justin helped come up with the title. This is how themes come together. It impacts us in our lives. And we want it to impact you in yours. I want you to behold our God. I want you to truly see Him, to truly know Him, to truly allow Him to change our lives. It's the first Sunday of a new year. You might have thought that last year was a great year. And that's, Okay, and you're hoping that this year will be an even greater year. Or you might have thought that last year was an awful year. And you're so excited to turn the page on this year. No matter where you are, whether it was good or bad, this new year brings hope. It brings opportunity. And it brings with it the privilege to truly know God. Today, I want to remind you of a few things. As we see God, as we know God, as we understand God, as we love God, as we serve God, more today than we ever have in our lives. We've got to be better today than we were 
last week. We've got to be better today than we were yesterday. We need to grow in our faith all the time. You see, the more we grow in our faith, you know, I, I think about when I was uh, com- obeying the gospel, just like Taylor Grace just obeyed the gospel as a teenager, I, I thought to myself, why did I become a Christian? Because I didn't want to lose my soul. I was afraid of hell. And so I obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ. And listen, I still don't want to go to hell. But my relationship from the time I was a teenager to the time I'm 46 years old now, it's grown. And now I don't want to disappoint Him. I want to see Him. I want to love Him. I want to appreciate Him. And I want others to behold our God. Today, we need to remind ourselves of some things. Here's the first one. When it comes to our God, there's no promise He cannot keep. Jeremiah 32, read it with me. Let's go back to verse 16. Now, when I had delivered the purchase deed to Baruch, the son of Neriah, I prayed to the Lord, saying, here it is. This is his prayer to God. Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. There is nothing too hard for you. You show loving kindness to thousands and repay the iniquity of the fathers into the bosom of their children after them. The great, the mighty God, whose name is the Lord of hosts, you are great in counsel and mighty in work. For your eyes are open to all the ways of the sons of men to give everyone according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. You have set signs and wonders in the land of Egypt to this day and in Israel and among other men, and you have made yourself a name as it is this day. You have brought your people Israel out of the land of Egypt with signs and wonders, with a strong hand and an outstretched arm and with great terror. You have given them this land of which you swore to their fathers to give them, a land flowing with milk and honey. They were standing in what is referred to as the promised land. The promised land. You know, I think we say that so much and we sing about uh, marching on to the promised land and all those things, you know, and we talk about it and, and it almost, we forget what it really is. It was a promised land. He said, I'm going to take you to a place to make you a great nation. By the way, why was He going to make them a great nation? Because He was going to bring Jesus Christ into this world through that nation. But He said, in order to be a great nation, you have to have a great territory. And so He said, you see this land? He took Moses up and showed it to him before Moses died. He said, you see this land? That's the land that's been promised. By the way, they could have got there a lot earlier if they just would have obeyed. But that land was fertile for crops. It was rich in territory so that they could produce and do and become God's special people. Joshua led them through the Jordan River into that promised land. 
And as they're standing in that promised land, Jeremiah speaks out and he reminds everyone, this is the land that God promised to you. There is no promise our God cannot keep. Over 8,000 promises of God in the Bible. Numbers 23, 19, God is not a man that He should lie, nor a son of man that He should repent. Has He said, and will He not do? Or has He spoken, and will He not make it good? Or 2 Peter 3, 9, The Lord is not slack concerning His promises, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. When you hear passages like that, does it really impact you? Maybe it impacts you today. But let's say it's Thursday and it's been a long week and the bills are piling up and maybe you got a bad report at the doctor or maybe your children are struggling in something and it's killing you and destroying you inside because you hurt so bad for them. Maybe there's just something going on and all of a sudden we find ourselves on Thursday wondering, where are you, God? You see, I want us to behold God. So much that yes, we see Him on today. It's easy to see Him today. But the Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays of the week, when trouble comes, when tough times come, I want us to be able to remember there is no promise our God cannot keep. Behold our God. What does it mean? When you hear that God keeps all His promises, what does it mean to us? What should we do? Just like the song says, trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. I preached a sermon last year. We either believe Him or we don't. We either believe that He's going to keep His Word or we believe that it's false. We just read that He cannot lie. We just read that He's not slack concerning His promises. He makes a promise it's going to come true. And you know what Jesus said in John 14? He said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. Do we believe that? Are we living a life that believes that? That shows that? And right now, do I have a... a, a, Jason, what a great job. Do I have that mound of debt? All that trouble in my life and the first thing I do is cut God out of it? Why is that? Why do people run away from God instead of run to Him? Romans 8, verse 28, is our family's verse. And we know all things work together for good to those who love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. 
You see, I either believe that or I don't. There are times in my life when I worry about my children's future, when I get concerned about what's going on, about what to do, what decision to make. Am am I making the right decision? Are we doing the right thing? And, and, you know, I get all worked up. And you know what Michelle says? She says, Romans 8.28, Terry. You either believe it or you don't. See, that's a promise. I love the Lord. We're called according to His purpose. We have obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are His children. We either believe Him or we don't. Behold, our God, there's no promise He cannot keep. But you know what else? There is no prayer He cannot answer. Now hear me out, I didn't say He answers all prayers. But He has the ability to answer every single one of them. Right? Now, you might think, well, that was a no, or that was a this, or or, He's not answering me. Well, maybe the answer is right there, it's no. Or it's not right now. But I want to take you back to Jeremiah 32, 21. It says here, You have brought your people Israel out of the land of Egypt with signs and wonders. Remember that's parting the Red Sea, all those things that happened. With a strong hand and an outstretched arm and with great terror. The book of Exodus is where all this began. Right? It's where this struggle began began when it, it first started out when they got to to Egypt it first started out okay why because Joseph was second in command and he knew God and he believed that God was who he was and he kept his promises and Joseph is a great example of saying behold our God but there grew a time when people didn't know Joseph therefore they didn't know Joseph's God and so they were enslaved In fact, they were enslaved by Egypt for 400 years. But then all of a sudden, there's Exodus 2, verse 25. And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God acknowledged them. And His plan went in motion. It was no accident that Moses was not killed. It was no accident that he floated down that river the exact time Pharaoh's daughter was going to get a bath. It's all part of God acknowledging them hearing their prayers, answering their prayers. 1 John 5, verse 14, Now this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. Why is that important? Because you need to see answered prayers. But in order to see answered prayers and to truly appreciate who God is, we have to be a praying people. 
I don't know how you pray. I don't know when you pray. I don't know if you pray. Now, I know some of you do. And some of you are religious about it. And many of you remember me and and our elders and our ministry team and, and our families in your prayers. And I thank you for it. Please don't stop. In fact, more of you, please start. But here's, here's what I want you to know. I don't know the way you do it. You may pray going to work. You may pray, get up early, drink some coffee, read your Bible, have prayer time. You may get in the shower and start praying. You may go in your closet and start praying. You may pray with, at the dinner table. You, all the ways you pray, I don't know how they are, nor does it really matter. I just want you to be praying. Because when God says yes, it is the greatest affirmation of your faith. And it's very easy to say, Thank you, Lord. Behold, our God. Can you imagine? I know they complained. But there was a time when they got through that Red Sea that they were saying, thank you, God, for hearing our prayers. You see, when we know that it's God's will, and we put it in His hands, it will get done. If it doesn't happen, because it's not in God's will, did we really want it to happen in the first place? You see, God answers prayer. He will hear your prayers and He will answer them in the way that He knows best. But there is no prayer He cannot answer. Thirdly, when thinking about God, when appreciating who He is, when beholding Him and showing Him off to the world, we need to remember there is no problem He cannot solve. Jeremiah thirty-two twenty-seven. Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for Me? Now, God wasn't saying that in a braggadocious way. God was saying it to remind them. I am God. I am Lord, I am King, I am the Everlasting, I am the Almighty, I am the Creator. There's nothing too hard for me. You know, it's interesting to note that those are not Jeremiah's words. You know, sometimes you'll read a book, right? You'll, you'll read the book of Luke, for instance, and you'll say, hey, those are Luke's words. You'll, you'll read the book of Acts. Hey, those are Luke's words. you read the book of Galatians, and no, those are Paul's words. Now, we understand they're under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but hear me out. Those are not Jeremiah's words. Do I believe Jeremiah believed that? I do. Those are not some scholar's words. Is there anything too hard for me? Jeremiah didn't say, hey, I'm just going to write this in here. Some scholar didn't say, hey, this is a good thought. Those are the words of the Lord. 
They're His words. God can do everything. God knows everything. So what does that mean? He knows the problems you have. He knows what you're going through. He knows the struggle. Jesus told us in this life there'd be struggle. He knows that you're going through all these things. But guess what else? He knows the solutions. He knows how to get out of them. He knows how to lead you out of them. Let's face it, we all have problems. I've got problems, you've got problems. Now, you may show me your problems and I may want to keep my problems. But my problems are my problems, your problems are your problems, but God is the answer to all those problems. We all have a sin problem. Jeremiah 13:23 Can the Ethiopian change his skin or the leopard its spots? Then may you also do good who are accustomed to do evil. See, that's who we are. We're, we're accustomed to do evil. Paul wrote it, right? He reminded us, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But he made a way out of that problem. We are who we are. And we all need God to mold us. We all need God to change us. And we all need God to rid our problems. Do you have a money problem? God's the one that created what's behind the value of the money. Do you have a marriage problem? Did you forget that God designed marriage and the family? Do you have a moral problem? Do you remember that God made a way of escape out of that? There are some that think we have a problem that God cannot solve. I'm in an issue and a problem that God cannot solve. And listen, there are exceptions to all of this. Hear me out, please, okay? But in divorce, sometimes we get to a point we think God can't solve this, so we give it up. The poor soul that is in a mental state that's that's not healthy, takes their life. Ultimately, it boiled down to they believed they got themselves in such a low state, they, they, they didn't get out, they didn't get the help they needed, most likely because they didn't think that anybody could solve their problems. The person that steals for food Maybe they think that, hey, this is the only way I can do it. God can't get me out of my troubles. You see, there are all kinds of ways that, that people do things all the time because they think God can't solve the problem. But God has taken care of the greatest problem we all have, and that's sin. If he took care of the sin problem, what else is there really? When I behold who God really is, 
And I like how Jeremiah says it, or it's translated in, in the New King James specifically, Ah, Lord God. Ah. We should be in awe, right? It's an awe moment. We need to remind ourselves, there's no problem He cannot solve. Finally, this morning, we could talk all day about who God is. But as we get ready to conclude, we want to remind ourselves of this. There is no person God cannot save. In Jeremiah 32, going back to the chapter at hand, our study today, if we were to read down to verse 28, we would see the word Nebuchadnezzar. See, I took all these lessons from Jeremiah 32. Our theme verse is verse 17. But through it all, this chapter of Jeremiah, you see all these things. And we see it's all about God. But in verse 28, we see Nebuchadnezzar. And as I was reading through this, it got me to thinking about, in relation to the point, there's no person that God cannot save. Do you remember Daniel 3? Nebuchadnezzar was all wrapped up in himself. He was so wrapped up in himself, you know what he did? He built a golden image in his likeness. Whether that meant it looked like him or whatever it was, it was in his likeness. And because he had that power, a lot of kings got that way. When they sat on the throne, they, they thought they were in charge. Because he had the power, he made a decree that when the music plays, you're going to bow down and worship my idol. This is Nebuchadnezzar. In Daniel 3. The same Nebuchadnezzar is mentioned in Jeremiah here. Again, not in relation to this, but it just got me thinking. Well, Nebuchadnezzar, of course, there were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? They didn't bow down. He was mad. Fiery furnace, all that. But it, through it all, he had to learn some hard lessons. You remember that he ended up, again, he's this king in charge of all this, but he ended up grazing in a field and eating grass like an ox. Remember his, his hair and everything had just grown out, his nails and all, and he's like this wild animal. So he went from the throne to eating grass. But in Daniel 4 and verse 37, Kind of like the prodigal son. He came to himself. And he, it, it, it's written there, Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of heaven, all of whose works are truth, in His ways justice, and those who walk in pride, He is able to put down. Maybe, maybe I'm going out on too far a limb. But just maybe I see Nebuchadnezzar in heaven, right? Why? Because there's no person that God is not willing to save. Whether you sit on your own throne or whether you're in a field full of grass 
and living as low as you can, God is willing to save all. Moses, we're going to see in heaven, he was a murderer. Noah, we're going to see in heaven. After the ark, he went and got drunk. David, we're going to see in heaven. He committed adultery. Rahab, in the genealogy of Christ, we're going to see her in heaven. She was a harlot. Samson, I hope I'm going to see him in heaven. But he was such a mess. Peter, we're going to see in heaven, became a preacher and an elder in the church. But at one time, he was a denier of Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul, we're going to see in heaven. He was a persecutor of the church and Jesus Christ. He even called himself the chief of all sinners. So it brings me to the question, what about you? Oh, no, 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 no. God can't save me. If you've known the things I've done in my life, no, I can't go to church. I can't, no, I'm just too ashamed. I'm too embarrassed. Or I was on fire and I quit Him and I'm too ashamed to admit, let me tell you something, as long as there is breath in your body, God is willing to save you. Every one of you. When Taylor Grace was baptized into Jesus Christ, maybe she didn't say the actual words, but when she came up out of that water, you know what she's saying? Behold our God. Because it's only God who can take a wretched sinner like me and wash me and cleanse me and make me whole again. You know what it is, it gets down to it, it's like this. There's a little kid who loves the water. You know how kids love pools and water, especially down here when it's hot all the time. They want to jump in so bad. The big kids are jumping in and they're just a little bit apprehensive. Maybe they've got some anxiety, you know. I don't really want to get that water. I don't want to go under that water. I'm nervous. I can't do it. And so as much as they want to jump in the deep end or wherever it is, they just can't do it. But then their father comes up. And he says, jump to me. I'll catch you. And the kid, with all the confidence in the world, jumps off. And the father catches him. And it reminds them that their father was there to save them. Our father. He doesn't just stand in the water. He can stand on the water. You jump 
Do it right now. And He'll catch you. I promise. Let's do it. That's together.